The MX Vice Show. Episode 150 of the MX Vice Show. We have another action pack show ready for today. For this episode, we're joined by 1996 world champion, the former GP star, who's also raced in America on top of many other things, New Zealander Shane King. Before we welcome Shane, we'd like to thank Parts Europe for sponsoring this one. Parts Europe distributes spare parts, accessories, and rider equipment for all motorbike segments in Europe. We support the sport tagline is fortified through the Thor and Moose House brands and their support of world elite MX riders like Landrum Prado, Langenfeld of Guadalini, Jonas Bogus, and nine times world champ and Thor ambassador Tony Cairoli. Your parts of your deal has access to all the big brands for your motocross and enduro bike, neck and pro circuit, FMF, ODI, Cypher, Renfold, Recluse, and many more in stock ready to be shipped. Check out their website at partsyrup.eu or contact your local parts of your dealer. With a dealer network of over 10,000 shops, we're sure there is one close to you. All right, Shane, welcome, mate. Thanks for taking the time. I know you're a busy man, and how's life for you? Good morning. Yeah, no, life is good. <clears throat> Just got back in from uh, from Europe, been over there for another couple of weeks, and uh, yeah, trying to trying to get through that jet lag period, actually. Um, yeah, trying to wake up this morning, mate, was a bit of a hassle, which was, uh, I guess, means I'm getting back to the New Zealand time, but uh, no, good to be here. Yeah, mate. Cheers, Darby. Really good to have a chat. And obviously speaking to one of your sons, Ryan, a couple of weeks ago, really level-headed kid, great future ahead of him. He's obviously been to Europe with you recently to do some EMX and you guys were at the Kiwi team with the Nations, mate. But before we touch on all that, how was Eichmer? How was meeting all those people at Alpine Stars and those relationships you've built, mate? Was it a busy time? Everything happening, mate? I probably flew. So you're back home now and back into work, mate. Yeah, no, it was really good. Actually, we um we had a good time. You know, Alpine Stars is a, is a fantastic company, great people, um, very innovative, and um, you know, the technology that they they bring into the to all the aspects of the sports they cover is is just second to none. And uh, it's just it's just great to to be able to go over to Italy and and experience all that. And um, you know, I mean, Gabriella is just an incredible man. Um, he invests so much into into all the sports and riders and and people. Um, they've got a fantastic team there and. I just, you know, it was was great, and then obviously after um, heading to heading back from um, Alpine Stars, I went to Eichmer, the big motor show. Incredible, you know, if you've never been to it, just put that on your bucket list because it's one of those ones that uh, it's just cool to go and see see the technology and innovations that everyone brings to that event, and just the people is incredible, you know, like Tuesday, Wednesdays, obviously for um, non-public and then public on Thursday, but the people just just incredible to see how many people want to go and see all that stuff and um you know it was a good experience to 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 go and obviously meet a lot of people that i need to see and you know that we distribute and others and catch up with a whole lot of races um you know team managers and and the like so cool event and a uh, good time in italy it wasn't pouring with rain which is always a bonus and um yeah good to good to sit down with a lot of aussies mate that's what i sat down with a lot of aussies and and uh yeah talk talk tech and life and business so it was cool Nah, mate, that's awesome. Sal, that's some pretty awesome takeaways from that event. Before we touch on the racing side of things, just tell everyone about your business first, the Crown Kiwi, what you do, how is business and just all the ins and outs, mate. 
Yes, the Crown Kiwi, we started in 98. Um, I was sponsored by No Fear uh, Lifestyle at the time. And uh, Jess Sewell, uh, who was a uh, owner of the No Fear brand, uh, just called me in 98 and said, hey, we're making motocross gear and I want you to distribute it in New Zealand. And I was like, wow, you know, I'm still still a professional motocross racer, contracted. And, you know, it was something that I didn't really, I suppose, didn't really think about. But my, even though my dad told me, you know, told, told us all when we were young that think about it before you finish racing. So you got something to walk into. So, uh, yeah, cut a long story short, I suppose, we started bringing no fear motocross gear in. I had a few months off and <clears throat> went around to some stores and boom, all of a sudden I've got a distribution company and um, I've got uh, the same person that started with me in 98 um, is still here today. My operations manager, Colin, Colin Bousfield. And um, yeah, now we, you know, I'd like to say one of the fastest companies in New Zealand, you know, with Alpine Stars and Bell and 100% and Akropovich and Matrix, um, Han Wheels. Um, yeah, a whole lot of the other brands that we're bringing on. So it's cool. You know, we we have over uh, over 250 dealer, dealers through the network here. We work closely with them every day. Um, the families in the business as well, you know, Curtis and Ryan and Yvette, we all work here in the pug, the pug Lulu. So um, it's good to, I don't know, be, a, be on the other side of the sport, the other side of the industry, within the distribution group that we have. And um, it's good, mate. We have a lot of fun. We've got some very cool brands. Um, you know, we're, we're a small country, as you know, 5 million people. 53 million sheep so we're still looking for that one product for the sheep but we still can't find that um but no it's good we enjoy what we do so that's important and it was cool i guess um part of racing after racing to come into the to the industry and you know deal on the other side of the fence and it's been been exciting and challenging and you know everything's been thrown at us like everybody in the world in the last number of years so um yeah just enjoying it yeah mate and how have you dealt with things like the gfc and obviously corona there's definitely been some tough times mate but you still stand and got through it all all right yeah i guess the gfc was like um how i put it at the time you know it was like the the toughest sand race in the in the rain with without a sand tire on and um you're up against joel smets jackie martin stephen evitz manik burvitz you know the boys and and uh you know you're on the back foot straight away you've done no sand riding in the world and uh, ever and you turn up to the start line you know that's what the gfc was it was tough and um you know we we rode through that and and uh, yeah, taught taught us all a lot of lessons, I guess. You know, everybody in the that's listening knows that it, it was a tough old time. Um, but you know, we we went through it. We we knuckled down. We put a head down, and you know, got the old scissors out and cut a few things up, and and uh, got through that. But uh, yeah, then the old COVID, the old COVID issue. You know, that was it was a tough one for everyone here in New Zealand. We got locked down for pretty much a twelve months. Uh, couldn't leave the country. You know, no one could come into the country. Um, so that was a a very weird start, and then a, just an absolute crazy crazy end um you know people just decided that they need, needed a whole lot of toys and wanted to go ride dirt bikes or mountain bikes or water or whatever it was so we're a pretty cool nation to to have all that so it was it was kind of cool to be locked no, i wouldn't say cool but it was definitely interesting to be locked down for that uh, for that year and um yeah another challenge in life and business and um but you know i mean we all come through it the other side and you know we we're uh, we're still having fun so that was the that was the most important thing yeah, awesome, mate. And obviously, a lot of key lessons you could teach the young blokes. Obviously, Ryan and Curtis in their racing career. So I spoke to Ryan a couple of weeks ago, really level-headed, good young kid. You've obviously raised him well, mate. And it's really interesting to get you on to sort of have the dad's perspective on, you know, how you sort of approach their racing career, riding the ups and downs with them. Because, you know, you're saying they both had some seriously bad injuries and Ryan's just had the arm injury. So he's just itching to get back on the bike, no doubt, especially after that trip to race in Europe and the AMX 250 with the VRT KTM guys, which must have been an incredible experience for him. You know, the team manager, Rene, there and the elite talents, Rossi and Zanke, who 
we should see him in MX2 next year. You know, pretty tough situation to come into him, you know, new bike, new track, jet lag, so much new stuff, and he's still so young. So obviously racing a track like Madley, it was a pretty awesome opportunity. You can't turn that down, mate. And, you know, those kids are super fast, and it's just another sort of great learning step for him, isn't it? Because, you know, racing the MX3 in Australia, those kids are super fast as well. It's just another level in Europe, isn't it, mate? So... How do you sort of find balancing it? Obviously, you've done so much in the sport all over, mate. So, you know, imparting those lessons and trying to teach them the best to do's and the don'ts. And just, I guess, they got to find out for themselves as well. And by you training them, you find out how badly they want it. And you can see, because that's the main thing, committed, be accountable, responsible for your actions. And you can probably see that they're all in, mate. Yeah, I mean, the, the big step for us was, was I guess, the lockdown. You know, we um we had the opportunity to, to spend that, you know, 24 7 with with curtis and ryan and you know they weren't super fast motocross races you know ryan was was um you know just sort of starting to find his feet in moto he started he was a late bloomer um so you know i just remember i think for about a week and a half we just or maybe even longer we we got a couple of spades and built a whole of jump tracks on the on the house around the house you know so we got into that and and uh yeah, sort of got him into that mode of you know i want to be a racer you know and curtis was 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 already you know starting to starting to starting to get there and and he started getting on to you know a bit of speed so that happened and then all of a sudden you know we come out of COVID and plenty of racing plenty of events going on we went to australia we flew over for australia uh the second round i think it was um up in um anyway up, up north i can't remember where it was but um yeah went up there and and just sort of started from Mackay, there was it? yeah Mackay. sorry yeah Mackay sand so we turned up there you know people said it was not that deep a sand but crikey it was it was interesting so they got a bit of a lesson and uh yeah just sort of flowed in from there and they really got into it training hard and and we sat down and worked out programs and how they could be good at motocross you know and how, how dad i guess was started to be good at motocross at their age so uh that's how it all started and then move you know fast forward to to this year um we uh we obviously traveled to australia and did all the rounds we could you know in in the series Unfortunately, you know, this year in Australia, the the weather didn't play its part, and um, was a you know a bit bit of a bit of a uh, I guess a sad year without going into it too much, and and um you know which is which is unfortunately the sport of motocross or the sport in general these days uh, or, or always, but um yeah, no, it was it was cool to to have the opportunity to go to to Europe with Ryan and ride for that VRT team and great team, awesome people, and um, getting dropped in there. Was it was interesting, you know. Ryan sort of turned up there, and expectations were zero, um, just to go there and, and have fun and, and see what he could do and have a first dip into it. Um, you know, didn't get the chance to ride the bike on the Thursday Friday because you know, unfortunately in England it, it tends to rain a little bit, like New Zealand. So uh, straight in Saturday, straight into practice on a on a bike that you know he knew knew was orange with a KDM on the side, but um, yeah, the rest of it was a lot different. Um, so yeah, he 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 rode well, and you know, was disappointed as well. Um, but like I said, Tim, it's a learn, learning trip, um, understanding what he needs to do if he really wants to give it a go in Europe and, you know, come out 18th in that first moto and 22nd in the third in the second one. But, yeah, just just learning. You know, you, you start there on the Sunday, you, you go straight into a two-lap warm-up and then you go straight to the start line and do a 30-minute moto. So something that I didn't really think about and I should have, but, you know, probably a little bit unprepared. But, um, yeah, no, good good to go there and do that. And um, and then we moved on to, you know, obviously Italy to get Alpine Stars for a week and just just cycled in the mountains um, for a week with Ryan. Well, he, he cycled in the mountains, I cruised on the flat. But, um, yeah, no, it's good, good times. That's no, cool, mate. One of those sort of trips that you just gain so much from. And then in 2024, obviously, you'll be racing the MX2 class in Australia, which is stacked full of talent, speaking to a lot of the guys. So that'll be another sort of natural step in the progression, mate. 
But I guess you're happy with the progress the kids are making. They're obviously developing well. The speed's coming and it should only just be going up from here, mate. So I guess once Ryan's recovered, full pre-season mode and then some racing in New Zealand, then ready to attack the Aussie series. Is that how it's looking? And I guess they're sort of gearing up for a big couple of months, mate, because this is that key sort of base building period where you get that fitness up because once the season starts, obviously not heaps of time it's sort of more that maintenance mode and a couple of days on so much recovery and a lot going into it and i guess it makes it even more challenging you guys living in new zealand traveling over to australia you know it's probably not the most ideal situation but that's what you got to do to make it work isn't it yeah it is i mean motocross is a is a very difficult sport uh you know every sport's difficult in its way but uh, motocross is you've got a bike you've got the human body as well you've got to make sure you're fully tuned so if one doesn't work and one doesn't sync with the other one then it can be a, a very difficult sport to to learn so um you know like i say to my boys it's 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 just a learning um uh, you know learning thing as you go along you know you gotta you gotta tweak everything and you know the injury from ryan uh, wasn't ideal, but also in that that respect, he's had a chance to work on the mental side of of the game. You know, he's still been training every day. Um, you know, running, cycling, and and doing his his um his his workouts with the with the trainer and stuff. But um, you know, Curtis has been full on. He's just been flat out riding as you know as much as he can. Obviously, trying to adapt to the new Honda as well. Boys have been on KDM from day one, and um, so you know, Curtis has been been hard out. He's got a good program. Um. With Triple uh, Eight Racing, Triple uh, Eight Training here in New Zealand, so yeah, Ryan. For Ryan, it's just a matter of getting, you know, getting through to next Wednesday and um, starting again. But I think it's good for his recovery. You know, he's got a bit of time off the bike, which is probably important. He's been racing, correctly since probably uh, November last year. So it'll be a good time. It was a good time just to, just to chill out and get back to uh, recovering um, from you know the the what the sport what the sport does to the body. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Was there any chance you were thinking of doing the Aussie Supercross series? Obviously, the injury took that out of your hands. But was that something that was on the cards? Yeah, we actually looked at that uh, after the last round of the Nationals um, in, in Aussie at, at uh, Coolum. But uh, yeah, just the effort that we've got to put in. You know, we've got a business here as well. So, you I mean, you've got to think of, of the other parts of life. Um, but yeah, we just decided this wasn't the year for, for the boys to do Supercross uh, just yet. You know, Supercross in New Zealand is zero. We just don't have anything here at all, so it would have been would have taken a lot of effort to make that happen. Um, so, yeah, it was you know Europe, I guess, with the the EMX race was was important for Ryan. You know, getting Curtis back up to to where he needed to be was was the other important thing. And then um, planning for for twenty four with Australia. You know, we've got New Zealand starts up here with the first races a few weeks ago, um, and then we start up here at Christmas time with the the summer cross, which is going to be cool. Brody's going to come back, and then we obviously have Woodville Grand Prix, which is a a massive event for us, um, you know, Honda sponsored and just very, very cool event. You know, there's sounds like there's a lot of Aussies coming over. JC from or Josh Coppins is we've got a couple of the Yamaha crew coming over. Um, sounds like Honda are going to send a few of the boys as well. Um, just a good sort of break for them to to do some gate drops and at a cool track and a cool event. So it's just full on, you know, I mean, it's full on nearly every weekend. And then we've obviously got the national New Zealand motocross nationals that start um, the week after Woodville. Um, they spread out a little bit, and in between that, we've got the first round of Monthaggy, seventeenth uh, of um, March. So uh, then the last round of our senior nationals, and then uh, we go straight back into Aussie. So full time over there. Boys are probably going to hang up in um, Queensland and and work with Triple uh, O Racing with um, with the crew there. And yeah, it should be bloody awesome. Yeah, mate, certainly a lot going on, that's for sure, mate. They should be pretty primed for the new season. And yeah, like you said, mate, getting those gate drops is so important just to come in as prepared as possible on that training base. So 
I was going to ask you, obviously, with being a dad, a lot of kids obviously don't listen to the dad so well. How are the kids on the feedback, mate? They're pretty receptive to what you're saying, obviously, you know so much, but sometimes they listen when it comes from someone else, mate. So they're pretty good on that side of things and you find the message resonates. Yeah, I mean, they know what their dad's done. Um, they know what their dad's like and, you know, they 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 listen a lot. You know, they just, I guess sometimes it's hard to put put it across to them um, the way that they, they'll, they'll take it and grab it and go and run with it. So... Um, it's just good to have great people around us that um, you know that have that have helped the boys as well. You know, we've had obviously a lot of lot of fast riders here with Cooper and and Reese Carter and stuff that you know have helped the boys along the way. Um, you know, Billy Frank and it's working with Curtis and then the biggest you know the biggest step for this year for the boys or for Ryan was was um, was hitting Australia early for, for those last three rounds and um, going to stay with Jeff Leask. You know, Jeff's a, a good good friend of a good friend of ours and uh, we've been stayed with him and. Yeah, just just picked up a lot of stuff. Went back to the basics again, and he he pulled you know two three seconds out of his pocket um, for those last few rounds, and it showed in the results. And you know it was really good to 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 work with him. And yeah, I guess you know they do listen to dad, but um, it's also good to have other people that that help them guide, and then they understand that actually my dad was right one hundred percent about that. But um, no, it's cool they listen and they're good boys, and you know I mean they're having fun. You know my my big thing is that if you're not having fun, you're not not doing good in your sport or in life. So. Uh, fun first is my is my words. Yeah, mate, absolutely. The advice you must be able to give them must be pretty invaluable. So yeah, it sounds like they're pretty wise enough to take it on, mate. That's for sure. And obviously, racing back in Europe would be on the cards for next year as well, mate. At some capacity where you can fit it in on the schedule, because obviously it's just such key experience and learning done over there. And with that being on the cards, what were the key things yourself and Ryan took away for you to work on? Obviously, the intensity, the speed, the fitness is just massive over there, and just how wild those kids are, mate. They're fearless as well, aren't they? Yeah, far out. We, I guess we took a lot from it, you know, just to be able to sit back and, and sort of, you know, watch, you know, which was a cool thing for me with the VRT team to sit there and, you know, he was fully looked after 100% with the crew there and um, it was just good to sit there and actually look at the things that Ryan was doing right and what he was doing wrong and just make a list and, you know, didn't didn't talk to him about it the whole weekend, but when we, we headed to Italy, you know, just to be able to sit on the bicycle um for hours every day um just talking about what we need to do and how we need to do it and and, it, and it's for both boys you know so um we've you know we we learned a lot and um he learned a lot and i think curtis is well curtis is definitely sort of you know him and ryan get on very well so they talk a lot as you do as brothers in, in the same sport so they learned a lot as well and i guess you know for me it was the it was a three and a half weeks where i went with my 17 year old son you know that was a cool thing to go and experience experience that and just you know grow grow together um but yeah europe man the speed of those emx boys was fast you know you can see that they just go straight into factory teams you know whether when they're at the pointy end um but yeah just the level the level is just incredible in europe and um you know back in my day it was probably the same you know people like man used to lap me and uh you know it's just just this it's just the way that the sport is you've got these very fast people nowadays it seems to be there's a lot more riders um that are, that are closer that can win a race um, and that comes from, I guess, the technologies of, of 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 motorcycles, the the trainers. You know, I never had a trainer back in the day. I had had trainers, but not not the same level they are today. And the knowledge of what you need to do, you know, with your body and blood and and your bloods and just everything to to be max, you know, have the maximum um, opportunity on race day. So, but yeah, cool to go to Europe. Cool to experience that for Ryan and um, cool for me. You know, I spent a lot of time um, talking to a lot of people catching up with the, about the good old days and being back in the paddock was, was exciting. Absolutely, mate. Yeah, sort of, yeah, like you said, do what you need to do and I guess prioritise the key areas and just 
get everything in a row, you can really make the progression. Like recently speaking to Max Fees on a couple of podcasts this year, a couple of years ago, he was getting lapped in EMX, you know, and now he's getting top 10s in MXGP. So definitely you can sort of get the pathway going pretty quickly once everything's in a row, mate. So that's pretty awesome. And I guess Ryan and yourself got a pretty good eye opener going to the motocross of nations. Obviously you've done it many times as a rider, but must have been pretty cool just helping out Team New Zealand. Obviously Harwood's a legend spoken to him he's a really good inspiration the way he makes a work balancing you know racing in australia and his full-time job so yeah he's just absolute weapon mate so i sort of don't really know how he doesn't slot into the top five against all those factory guys in australia and then go to the nation's pretty cool and obviously scott and cooper all did the country proud mate so how was france obviously you know firsthand how wild the crowd is mate they look pretty next level there was some sort of nutcases the, the atmosphere looked kind of unrivaled in recent nations it was uh Pretty brutal, mate. So how was it for you? And I guess it was just good to be there, having a great time and soaking it all in. Yeah, just, wow, what an event. It was just incredible. You know, we always knew it was going to be probably the biggest event ever in um, the motocross of nation's history. Um, but, yeah, just, you know, blew me away um, how the crowd and, you know, just went up. Ryan and I went up on Saturday night to the uh, – the whole team went up to the, um, you know, the camping area and just, man, there was one of everything up there. It was just <laughs> incredible. And uh, but yeah, what an exciting event! You know, it's it's cool to be able to take, um, you know, your 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 three best guys, at, you know, from the country to that side of the world and go and compete with the best. Um, and it was it was it was just amazing to see the effort that Cody, um, Hamish and James put in. Um, the whole nation, you know, we had we had, we've got great people here that support the team. Um, you know, and Penny Holmes and John Penny, who used to be a motocross racer here in New Zealand, quite quite good, and uh, you know used to win a lot of races. And then we've got Brendan and Dee from Best Build Construction, and Wellington, good friends of ours that um, you know that contribute to the sport and Dub Construction, and um, and uh, Jerry as well. You know, Jerry's a great man, so that it was cool to have a lot of people supporting the team. And yeah, just a, an amazing event. You know, the boys did great. I just was really blown away the effort they put in we went there with a with an expectation this time you know that we we we've got a we want to be top 15 you know and to pull out of out of the event with 14th was was i was very proud of everybody you know bevan bevan and sue wheel that that uh and myself you know we're in the management team that that puts it all together so just a cool it was cool to be there cool event um you know to have my son there as well you know helping out run being being the runner i guess you know carrying wheels washing boots doing all those things that he probably doesn't get to see that side of it when he's racing so um yeah really cool you know it's just just a great event and man i just couldn't believe when hamish came in the corner and second in that in that moto you know i was on top of the hill standing up there with with the other team managers and yeah and i was just like wow oh he's second <laughs> you know kind of no expectation then and he turned up second so it was pretty cool to, to have that and you know cody and james just the efforts they, they both put in to make it all happen was was very cool so lovely you know lovely to have a, a great group of people and awesome to have a you know, a result that was, you know, we can build on for next year. And, you know, Madeleine Basin is going to be just dynamic, you know, probably crazier um, and exciting. So looking forward to heading to England next year with the team. And, um, you know, it'll it'll just be a be an incredible event there. So, yeah, Motocross Nations myself, you know, two times on the podium, um, Fox Hill and in 98. And then obviously uh, Belgium, Namur. You know, Namur was like my home race when I lived in Europe. So um, very cool to to be on the podium and you know i think i raced it 12 times and you know just had results from you know the back of the field to the front of the field so very cool no nah, it's awesome to hear mate really cool thing to share that experience with the young fella for sure and i guess the state of play in new zealand motocross is pretty strong considering how small the country is like you said obviously 
building from what you and your brothers have done. You got Coppins, Townley, Cooper, obviously Harwood, obviously the young talent coming through, Brody Connolly, your sons, Townley's young fella, Davies. There's some serious talent coming through, mate. So I guess you probably know them all pretty well and have some sort of a role in, you know, helping them out at various times. So what's your take on how good the talent progression is, mate? And it's pretty exciting for the future. Yeah, New Zealand's a, a very unique country. You know, we've, we've gone through a bit of a hole, I guess, um, with riders. So we've, we've had a little bit of a, um, a, lull, a lull, I guess, in, around the world. So obviously, the you know, back in my day, traveling to the other side of the world was a, was a big thing. But um, nowadays, it's trying to get a ride. You know, that's the hardest thing. So um, we've got some work to do here. We know what we need to do. You know, my part of the reason why the boys are racing in Australia is because we wanted to show people how easy it was to go and race in that great nation. Um, got a great series, you know, Motorcycle Australia do an amazing job. Um, some great people inside teams, and and the talent's very very strong. You know, the 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 fields are are stacked. Uh, you know, no matter if it's MX3, MX1, or MX2, um, the riders put in a lot of effort. You know, just Nathan Crawford with his um, elite rider program um, up in up in Queensland is just incredible. You know, he worked with Ryan for a, for a number of weeks and and taught him so much about motocross. Um, it's just incredible to be able to have those programs over there. You know, Beaton's got his program, and it's just cool to see the level. So our our goal here is to, you know, get as many riders as we can over there this year. Um, obviously, we've, Hamish is going to be there, and Coops is going to do some races, and uh, James Scott, and we've got Brody Connolly, um, you know, who, who went to the Nations two years ago and and um, set, set the world on fire there for a little while until his bike broke. But, um, you know, gave a ride in Australia. So, you know, we've got a lot of work to do. The talent here is, you know, we're, we're, we're building again. You know, got, like you said, the, the names there. We've got Cole Davies that's signed with Gas Gas in, in America, which is very, very cool for him and his family and, and his career. Um, you know, Ben with his with his family uh, is just going to be, you know, coming through very strongly. You know, Ben's got a lot of a lot of focus and, and, and loves the sport as much as I do. And he knows what it takes, you know, and... I think we've got, you know, the next couple of three years are very important for New Zealand and motocross. And um, I think we're heading in the right direction. You know, Motorcycle New Zealand's a very strong body and uh, we've got a lot of plans there to, to work with, with our riders. So it's going to be it's going to be an interesting, you know, next couple of years to get our riders back up to where we need to be. But getting our level up is important and travelling overseas and ri- with riders and, and coming back and bringing that level is going to help us here. More riders back in the country again. You've had a couple of stale years here with obviously COVID. Um, so you know, having the Aussies coming over for a few races this year, and Brody coming back next week and doing a couple of races here as well is going to you know help us lift our level a little bit and show people what it, you know the level really is overseas. Um, but yeah, no, it's 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 coming. We just uh, we just need a little bit more time, and we've got the riders there, and we've got the enthusiasm and passion and the federation behind the sport. So um, I think you know, in a very short time, we'll we'll uh, hopefully be flying our New Zealand flag at the front end of of some fields around the world absolutely mate obviously i was at the newcastle supercross on the weekend and levi town he had the speed mate had the skill so that's another cool thing but it must be a challenge you were saying for the supercross in new zealand even some of the guys in australia have issues with the tracks which is why a program like the zero zero elite one you know they travel around the tracks they have a lot of you know access to tough they got to do a lot of traveling and stuff but that's just a key thing with supercross the tracks isn't it it's probably sort of amplified where you are isn't it mate so finding those is obviously a challenge so it's why you Obviously, you have to do those training blocks in Australia as well if you want to, you know, get some more tracks and seat time on it. 
yeah, it's just it, it, Supercross is different. You know, it's it's like it's a different sport. You know, I, I always say to people, it's it's like it's the rugby or soccer. You know, it's the same. You're playing with the ball, you're running up and down the field, and you know you're trying to score at the other end. But it's the same thing. Supercross is such a different sport. You've got to be a you've got to you've got to put the effort and the time in. Um, you've got to ride you know as much as you can. You've got to get that down. You know that 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 whole program down. So it's so different. You can be the fastest Supercross racer in the world, but sometimes you're not necessarily the fastest motocross racer in the world. So it's very unique, and uh, yeah, this country we just don't have enough, you know, enough tracks and um, you know people that want to, I guess, want to compete. So it's we've got to change it. You know, Ben 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 Townley tried to to do something very good for our sport um, a number of years ago with speed cross and Taupo, um, and you know, just got to got to rebuild that again and start getting people back into understanding what Supercross is about. Because my boys, they go to a friend's house. Um, he's called he's called Teabag, and um, don't ask me why, um, but uh, Cross track there, and the boys, you know, it's good for them to go out and ride. You know, go out and ride that super cross track, get get that little bit of technique, and then go back on the motocross track. So it's a bit important part of our sport, and as you know, it's the biggest part of our sport in in America and around the world. So uh, the profile you get from it, the enthusiasm the crowd brings to it, is is very cool. So supercross is something we've got to really work on in this country. Yeah, it's massive. It's just yeah, you look at all the you know the numbers on the site and the podcast listens. People just definitely love supercross and everything to do with it, mate. But even though the motocross is still for the hardcore and it's something special about that too, you know, being at the track and that brutal weather, you know, real great test. But I suppose the Supercross is where the access is. It's better for the fans, better for new fans, kind of a better gateway. You know, the toilets are in a much better condition, the facilities, a bit more shielded from the weather, that kind of thing. So it's definitely the way of the future, isn't it, Supercross, just for getting new fans into the sport. And you see what they're doing with WSX and the OzX guys are doing a great job promoting the series here. So... I guess it'd be cool to New Zealand one day to sort of cash in more and have some more events because that's how you get the next generation coming through, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. I think, um, you know, we've got Cole Davies that, that Ben Townley worked with um, and, you know, got him to, to the US and, and uh, you know, with with a lot of hard work and Supercross, Ben's got a track just, you know, beside his house. He he works, you know, with Levi, just, you know, see him in the weekend, you know, he had a little little tip down on that first, first few laps there and then, um, you know, managed to ride back up, but it's you've got to have the facility you've got to have um you know the the obviously the races as well to to, to work into and it's got to be the right timing and you know i mean it's uh yeah it's an interesting interesting part of the sport that we've got to get right you know New Zealand's, it's a little bit hard with the lack of um people that that really want to do it but uh, i think everyone wants to do it but racing's a different thing as you know it's it's more complicated and you know it can be can be a little bit more um injury prone i guess uh, when you're not you know, doing it all the time. You haven't got the facilities to be able to, to train on. So uh, just work in progress. You know, New Zealand's a, a very fast forward thinking country and with great people. So I'm sure we'll, we'll get there. Just a matter of time to, to make it all happen. Yeah, absolutely. That sort of segues nicely into your Supercross sort of adventure to America on that big beastly uh, weapon of a KTM, mate. Obviously, amazing experience. Probably wasn't the conditions or the bike wasn't probably up to it to let you perform to your best. And just must have been so cool to do it. Obviously, those A1 whoops, you were saying, obviously, the arms. You'll see that every day, mate, the scars from that one. But, yeah, just how was it from your end, mate? Obviously, things would have been better if you had probably a more suitable bike. But, you know, it's all learning, isn't it, mate? And you sort of an experience you can never sort of forget and you can take with you forever. Yeah, Supercross in America was, you know, it's just, it's a different thing, you know, different league, different different way of of riding a dirt bike. And, and very cool, you know, to have the opportunity to go there in 2000, uh, with KTM, with Factory KTM, and debut the the 520 at the time was huge, you know. And um, I guess the biggest thing I took from that was um, what the hell was I thinking? 
Um, yeah. But <laughs> it was it was a you know it was it was my decision to to do that. You know, Mr. Pira, um, if he, he asked me if I wanted, really wanted to do it, Kurt Nickel was a team manager at the time, and you know we thought about it and just went right. Well, let's give it a go. You know, we we sacrificed a lot in Europe to go to America. Um, and you know, in hindsight, probably not a great move for my career, but shortened the career up a little bit. But anyway, that's you know that was the past, and um, you know my decision and Yvette's decision to make it happen. But yeah, turning up there, and I just remember being in A1 at the stadium, and then you know we had the press conference, and then I looked down at the at the track up in the from the press room and thought, oh, I mean that looks great, it looks pretty simple, doesn't look too difficult, you know, just normal supercross track. Crikey, when I got down to the uh, to the field for for Presto riding, she was a different story there. But uh, you know, and then the whoops on Saturday were just huge. It was the era of the big whoops. You know, let's make them as hard as we can. And you know, um, Jimmy Button will attest to that. It's it was uh, you know, the year that he unfortunately had the crash at San Diego. I was right behind him um, when he went down. But yeah, they sort of simplified the whoops after that. But um, yeah, interesting. You know, five. You can imagine 520 cc's. You're going through a set of whoops. You got to have the throttle twisted. Um, you know, being in the right gear and, and you're getting halfway through and rolling the throttle off because it's going that fast on top of the whoop, grabbing so much traction that you don't want to fly off the boom on the other end. So it was cool. And, you know, I mean, one thing that I always remember, and, you know, Ricky, Ricky Carmack and I laughed about it a couple of times is, um, you know, I mean, I, I, I sat on the start line and in the first, in the, in the first heat race and I said to myself, and I've never said this in my life, but I said to myself, whatever you do, do not whole shot this race. <laughs> and, I got out of the gate and I looked across and I thought, oh my God, I'm going to whole shot this race. And I, I don't know, mentally I must have backed off a little bit and and let you know a couple of people go through. But I was fourth in the first couple of laps, and then uh, coming up to the finish line, tabletop, I think on lap three, um, I was in fourth, and and Ricky just gave me a, a full send off the inside and pushed me, yeah, it was it pushed me to 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 I don't know to wherever it was off the track and. I just went, wow, welcome to America. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was my a couple of cool things in Anaheim that happened, a couple of not so cool things, but one experience, you know, really cool to do that. We ended up with a with a 470cc engine in the end. Um, Jimmy, my mechanic at the time, a good mate of mine, he from New Zealand, you know, we just worked on a, on a smaller engine because that 520 was just a handful. Some of those tight tracks, you know, like Minneapolis and stuff were just hard work. But, uh, yeah, man, the challenge is up for the challenge. You know, we had a new bike and working in America with, KDM was was amazing and you know trying to figure out how we could make this bike work and uh but yeah what a challenge in supercross holy you know every week I went there and went god I wished I had a 252 stroke but you know I didn't. my job was to ride the 520 and and show KTM um customers what this bike can do and uh yeah going out to the motocross nationals as well was pretty cool made a, quite a bit of money out of out of whole shots which was uh, good but, um yeah we had a had a few you know sort of mishaps with the bike here and there and it, wasn't wasn't the year to be but um yeah man look at ktm today you know i guess that was the start of the real start of the ktm factory program in america so um you know i'd like to say i've been a part of that and it was really cool to work with ktm at that time and and um show the american people that you know that big beast was you know able to do both motocross and supercross yeah absolutely man that's been so cool did you enjoy the fans must have been pretty cool there absolutely wild pretty cool contrast to europe where they're both obviously both great sets of fans but what were some of the contrasts there and how was the lifestyle mate you obviously would have enjoyed living in america probably maybe even more than europe so how was it for you there those two yeah i guess i mean the fans are cool you know no matter where you go when you're a motocross racing at the top of your top of your field um you know you're you, the fans are always cool you've always got great people and the, the i guess the difference in and you know europe to america is that in europe they get 
they get to be close to you. You know, they, they get to be a part of your program and, you know, you've got fan teams and just all these things that, you know, people have chainsaws and Christ, just, just, just cool, cool European, you know, fans. And then you go to America, it's a bit different, you know, they sort of, sort of kept the way, you know, a supercross up in the stands and, um, you know, they come in the pits, but yeah, just a different, different group of, different group of people. You can't compare them. You know, the fans in America are as passionate about the sport as, um, as they are in Europe in a different way. And, and it was cool to be in both countries and just enjoy, enjoy being a part of that, you know, both being able to be both, you know, being both, both continents and, and do it. But, uh, yeah, living in America was, was good. You know, it's, it's, it's one of those ones where you, you love going there for a holiday when you're from New Zealand, it's hard to, you know, it's hard to compare, um, countries cause you know, we've got a beautiful country here and if you people listening, if you've never been to New Zealand, definitely put that on your bucket list because we're, we've got a very cool country. Um, but you know, we lived in San Diego and you know, we lived the American life and, uh, it was it was fantastic you know it was a good time good time of our life and american people are great and you know we enjoyed what we done and you know just just yeah cool it was a good experience do you get back there often these days mate or not so much i haven't actually been back for a number of years obviously covid um been to europe a lot in the last you know year we've only really been out of lockdown for a sort of a year and a bit so um haven't actually made it back to america since then but man i want to be at the f1 this weekend i want to be at the a1 mm-hmm. Supercross, I want to, you know, like a million different things. But I've got these two boys who race motocross in this business that that we need to, you know, to obviously make sure we're doing our job here. So, um, you know, I'll get, get back this year, next year for sure. We'll go back and have some fun over there. It's, I love going to America and, and catching up with everybody as well. It's it's very cool. Yeah, man, it's so cool. And obviously, you know, back to you, obviously you did 11 years or so there. So must have been an amazing sort of journey. And I guess I remember listening to a podcast you did with Steve quite a few years ago now and, you know, just the way you initially made the trip over, mate, it was pretty sort of basic, you know, all the parts packed in the suitcase and then going to the race in the car and then just holding your own pretty much from the outset, mate. So I guess some cool memories like that. So just talk us through, you know, how you made the decision in the early sort of stages of it because it must have been a fairly sort of big way away from what your sons are doing these days, I'd imagine. Yeah. <clears throat> well, to travel from New Zealand back in the days, you know, it was, you know, I mean, before my era was obviously a challenge. So, you know, I mean, we tried to, you mean, got, got a lot of racing done here in New Zealand, got a lot of racing done in Australia, you know, raced over in Australia a lot as well and, and stayed, you know, and did a lot of motocross over there and then decided that, you know, I need to go to America and, 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 uh, we traveled to, to America in, uh, 92 and, uh, did a, did a lot of races in, um, in America. And then we, we had, uh, yeah, opportunity to, to, to be a part of that sort of a second tier program in America with Yamaha and with Keith McCarty and, yeah, and then my brother Daryl called and said, "Mate, you you always wanted to be a world motocross champion, you know, like you got to get over to Europe." So next year went to Europe, got a bike, bought a bike from Yamaha here in New Zealand, pulled it apart, put it in suitcases, and um, yeah, jetted off to um, Charles de Gaulle and Paris, and met up with Olaf Perrin, and yeah, we rented a car, you know, with Jimbo, my good mate, and and uh, I turned up at this race in Tom song, had the bike in the back of the back seat. And uh, yeah, wheels off, handlebars off, and forks out, and pulled up there, and and these people were looking at us in these big trucks, and just thinking, what is this guy doing? You know, went out there, and I think I ended up winning the last moto. You know, and they're just like, wow, you know, had all these people around us, and I was just like, oh, crikey, what do I do here? You know, so um, yeah, just a, just a just an amazing thing to do, you know, to turn up with a bike and go ride, and you know, spend a year, you know, carving away at the at the the international races and. Um, then got on a 125 and started a 125 Grand Prix and 
um, yeah, I got one point at the Marino San Marino Grand Prix um, that year. And you know, if you if you know me and the size of me, riding 125 back in the day, uh, 90 <laughs> Yamaha 125 was not really the best bike in the world. But um, no, it was cool, just great experience, and that sort of put me in good stead for for um, you know the next years. And and uh, yeah, managed to you know, obviously win a world championship in '96 in the 500 class. So that was was a very fast learning curve for Europe. And then um, you know, 11 years there with a lot of wins and. A lot of races. It was was pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. I remember hearing you were saying, I think at 25 years old, you'd be world champion. Obviously, it happened in 96. But yeah, just an epic achievement, obviously. How much of a surprise was it for everyone back then, obviously, because the year before you were a little bit further back, mate. So definitely you know, come up on those blokes and, mate, uh, got the job done. So it must have just been an amazing year. And I guess talk us through the ups and downs and the key turning points for it for you in that title winning year, mate, because... Not many people out there can say they've won a world championship, mate, and something you can hold forever. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. Um, that's pretty cool to have a world championship, for sure. It's, it's something that was I dreamed of. And at 16 years old, I wrote down on a piece of paper um, that I want to be world champion at 25. Um, and my dad signed it. I signed it. Still got that piece of paper today. And um, I won the world championship uh, on the 8th of September, uh, 1996. And on the 9th of September, which is my birthday, I turned 26. So... <laughs> that goal it just proves that if you write stuff down and you really work towards it and you can achieve it so and you know had fun the whole way through um but yeah 95 i guess 95 um i finished ninth the world championship that year um and it wasn't from a, a lack of um speed or trying i had an injury that uh, dislocated my thumb backwards so I slid down a hill had my hand out and i just ripped on a rock and pulled my thumb right pretty much out of my hand and flipped it backwards so had a bit of an injury and come back from that and you know towards the end of those Grand Prix, I started feeling like I could be a top three contender so um I went to the to the Eichmann show actually to go and put some deals together for the for the year for 96 and you know I mean strung a deal together with um with Arai which had been you know a sponsor of mine for many many years and great people um CD which had been a part of my career for a long time as well and um, I talked to Bill Brown at Wolf Sport, you know, and he was he was helping us out a little bit with some some bonus money, and uh, yeah, we we uh, I said to him, you know, when can we increase the the point money? And he's like, yep, no worries, we can do that. And then he said, oh, we can do a one, two, three as well. You know, if you think you can be top three, I was like, yeah, definitely top three. But how about we just do a win, you know, win bonus? And he said, ooh, okay, do you reckon you can win it? You're ninth last year. I was like, well, I'm definitely going to be top three. So how about you save the money on third and second, just put it on first, and we'll be a bit of a bit of bit of a gambler. So he's like, yeah, you know, I'll gamble. Come back and see me in a few hours. So I walk back over there, and um, and he's like, yep, no, I'm in. Halfway through the year, he come to one of the races, and he said. He said, mate, you're doing amazing. It's great. But, you know, I mean, I really want you to win, but crikey, it's going to cost me a lot of money. And, um, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, he said to me, I don't know whether it was a joke or real, but he said, I have to sell my helicopter to pay your bonus. So yeah, it was an interesting one. But, um, yeah, you know, I just, I believed in myself. I, you know, I did everything I could to make it happen. Um, you know, great people around me um, and, you know, great bike with obviously the KTM 360. KTM were unreal, Masodin, Masodin Motors and, um, you know, Uli um, from um, Silent Sport and just all these people that were a part of us, the Tara program group um, in Germany. And we won the German Championship that year and the, and the World Motocross Championship 500. So very cool year. And it just it felt so easy. It was like nothing was a problem. Um, just hopped on the bike, go road. You know, we, we got our bike stolen out of the back of the van um, after the French Grand Prix. Um, we were inside Pizza Hut having dinner, and someone had just decided to open the back door and take both the bikes out. I, they obviously followed us from 
the track and ended up being the mafia that mafia that took it from um somewhere down that way in Charleroi, which wasn't good. But uh yeah, built a new bike out of a practice bike the next weekend went to went to Portugal and and uh yeah, won the Grand Prix there. So nothing seemed to phase me and just enjoyed what I did and you know, like I said, great bike <clears throat> with that KTM and you know, great people around me and just all went clicked into gear. So oh. cool yeah. So cool, mate. It's a pretty cool lesson that being made across the rider can make such a big difference, you know, like a lot of the motorsports like F1 that's really dependent on material. But with motocross, obviously, like you said, mate, having the bike stolen next week, still go out and do it. It's pretty cool, mate. So if you do all the pieces of the puzzle are in place, you can sort of make it happen, can't you, mate? So it's probably pretty cool lessons to teach the young lads too, isn't it? Yeah, no, it is. It's just, I mean, it just, just shows you that. Um, I guess that where is where I am in business at the moment, um, or just you know for the last twenty years in business, is that um, there's challenges in life, and you've just got to you know you just got to work through it. And you know, I mean, we it's it's not like we're the first, and we won't be the last. So you just got to get you know get your head and get get your head in the right place and put your put the effort in. And you know, sport is a is a is a big thing about putting effort in. You know, you got to put the effort in. You got to really work out yourself. What one rider does not necessarily is going to work for another rider as well. You know, I've got two two boys, and you know what works for Curtis doesn't work for Ryan, and vice versa. So they've got to figure that out as they grow. And um, you know, in life, we've all got to figure it out and just move on. So um, I like to say my motocross career helped me more than schooling. Go to school, kids, but um, you know, helped me with with my with my business. You know, it just I challenge myself every day. Um, you know, no matter what we do, and we we enjoy what we do. So, you know, just like that sport of motocross, you got to you got to make sure that uh, yeah, we keep everything in the right um, the right momentum. Yeah, it sounds pretty cool, mate. Obviously, it's not easy, and it sounds like you didn't really place limits on yourself, mate. You just sort of the possibilities were endless in your mind, and you sort of went out and chased them and achieved them, which is really cool as well, mate. And just battling it out with some of those heavy hitters, I guess. You know, Pooza, Coyote, Smets, Everts, you know, there's just so much going on back then, mate. So how were the sort of rivalries you developed and cultivated or even friendships with a lot of those guys? I guess you look back now and you probably catch up and have plenty of cool bench racing chats with them, you know, all those cool stories you'd have, mate. So some of those sort of battles, tell us through them and some of the sort of key players and maybe pushing you further, I guess, to get to where you were. Yeah, just, I mean, all the people I raced with in my career motocross was was just fun, you know, like... I always, I always took it as I just turn up there and give it my best, and I know I've done the work. I know I've, you know, I know I'm ready, um, and just, just go out there and do what you, what you do and what you know. And that was kind of my, my way. And, um, you know, I guess '96 was the year of, of, uh, you know, the Joel Smith Shane King, um, big battle. You know, the Belgium versus the Kiwi. Um, you know, Belgium obviously behind their, their, their countrymen, and, and, um, you know, just to be able to to be able to understand that. So just becoming, you know, I really become friends with a lot of Joel's supporters and, you know, cause I just, I love, I loved it. You know, I love the battle of getting on the track with Joel and, and uh, not knowing what he's going to bring today. Cause you know, he was incredibly fast and um, incredibly talented and just, you know, to be able to, to turn up there and try and be better than him every weekend was, was, was the mission. So I just experienced, you know, everything from, um, you know, the happy Joel to the, to the English speaking Joel, to the French speaking Joel, to, you know, to the, to the one that just, you know, come up afterwards and just said, man, that was, that was a, that was a great fight. You know, it was a really cool fight, but what I really loved was, was living in Belgium and, you know, the, the press people and all the people that were like trying to, to sort of push Joel and myself, apart you know as races because as races you get on the start line and you've got this mentality that you know i mean you, you just want to win and um 
you know, everyone's got that same mentality, I guess, when they turn up to the start line. But the the one that's done the work and, and puts it all together in the race is the one that usually does have the, you know, the better results. So they tried to push us apart and try to sort of um, say say things to to Joel and say things to me that Joel said and, you know, just got really sort of fiery. But, you know, I just took it on the chin and, and uh, went, oh, well, that's the way it goes. So you just let's go race. Let's put it all on the racetrack and see what happens. But, um, no, great experience, you know, racing with – um, you know, we never really got to race the 250 or 125 guys much because we had our own championship. So back in the day, 125 championship was separate to 250, separate to 500. So, you I mean, they might be in Spain when we were in Belgium and, you know, 125s were in Italy. So we only really raced, um, you know, Pizarro and Pizarro, Everts and Tortelli and Pichon and all the boys at... Oh, uh, Fr- too. Yeah, yeah, French International. So it was, um, yeah, it was... It was cool, you know, I used to go there and I mean, we had so many French international races. It was so cool to, to turn up there and race those guys because, once again, it was another challenge. So, you know, man, beating Stefan Everts was, was, you know, definitely one of my goals. That was a cool thing. I remember I beat him in Borglone and caught him and passed him and, and uh, you know, he was obviously having an off day maybe, I don't know. But just, yeah, it was cool to, to battle with, with those guys in my career and, and you know, and obviously nations and all that stuff. So uh, it, was, it was a great experience. Battling with Jackie, you know, got a couple of great stories with Jackie, and um, you know, we just caught up together in Eichmore. Actually, it was it's always good to catch up with Jackie. He's a he's a great talent in motocross, and you know, the big Belgium that just was a beast in the sand, and uh, now it's really cool. Oh, it's pretty cool. I think I remember hearing a story about that where you were sort of like almost getting rugby tackled off the track, and you know, there's a few <laughs> incidents there, wasn't there, mate? Yeah, Jackie. Uh, I, I don't really know what the story was. I didn't really let it get to me too much, but. Um, it was about taking Shane King down and, and uh, that was the plan, people getting paid and all the rest of it to take Shane down. So it, it lear up and Jackie cleaned me out, whether it was his mistake or, or what, or uh, I'm not sure, but to you know, to my knowledge, I wouldn't have a clue, didn't really bother me. But yeah, coming after the race and all I wanted to do was, I don't know, knock his head off. And I don't, I don't know why, because that's not me. But um, yeah, the, I threw the bike down when I come in and just ran over to the, to the wash bay area and, Luckily, Zep Holbucker grabbed and basically grabbed me, but um, yeah, I don't know why. I just, you know, afterwards I thought, what a stupid thing to do. But at the time, I guess as a racer, when you're in that heat of the moment, <laughs> stupid things happen. Um, but yeah, no, Jackie's a, a great, been a, he was a great competitor. Loved, loved racing with him, Johan Boone and all the boys, my brother and stuff those in those eras. And, um, you know, today we can sit down and have a, have a good laugh about it all. Yeah, absolutely, mate. And obviously, you had so much adversity, many setbacks you would have had to deal with, which would have probably been, you know, amplified being away from home. And you learn a lot from the sort of failures, and there's such good lessons you learn. And obviously, you came back stronger and, you know, rose to the occasion a lot of those instances. And just talking about the adaptation to the sand, obviously, you talk about the Dutch and the Belgian absolute weapons on it. Must have been quite a sort of challenge when you first got there. And, you know, how much faster were they initially? Because, you know, they grow up in it. So it's just natural to them. So how was that process for you, mate? Yeah, I guess it's like I guess it's like looking at, you know, you're you're out there riding around and then you put your mechanic on that's got no experience and he hops on your bike with all your gear and goes rides and you sort of watch him and go, That's you know, that's kinda <laughs> it's kinda what you look like very slow. So <laughs> you know, no disrespect to the mechanics, but just um yeah, no, it's an interesting it's an interesting um yeah, uh, condition, you know, sand is is a tough old gig, you know. I think it took me around four years to really understand how to ride sand properly, how to go fast and how to be confident, but still not as fast as as those top sand guys. And, you know, the reason why everyone lives in Belgium these days, all the teams, is because, you know, they've got to be good sand riders because you can win, win and lose a lot at, at a sand race. So, um, but, yeah, it just, man, I just couldn't believe how fast the riders were, you know. 
remember going to Ullman Honda Park back in the day and Stefan was there and he was riding around like on his tippy toes and, you know, arm pumping 30 seconds and, yeah. you know, five minute motos and the sand holes are deeper than, you know, over my head. And I was just like, how do I get as fast as him? But watching, learning, you know, doing, and, you know, I remember getting to Europe and the first thing I did was just, you know, load the van up every day, um, drive up the road an hour, go to Lommel, ride there all day on Monday when the track was flat, go back and repeat the next day when the track was a bit rougher and just do that, you know, week in, week out and, you know, you destroy bikes, you destroy your body, but you kept on turning back up and, and trying to learn how to ride it. And, um, you know, I mean, sand was sand was the was the make or break of, of motocross, you know, back in the day to, to try and figure it out with those top sand guys. But, you know, now you've got to be an all-rounder. You've got to be an all-rounder. You've got to, you've got to be good and hard. You've got to be good and, you know, in between that and sand. And, um, you know, bike setup's massive as well. So, um, but, yeah, no, what a challenge. But really, really cool challenge to, to master. Yeah, absolutely, mate. What were some of the sort of your favourite tracks going back then? Obviously, Namur was a special beast, and you mentioned Lommel, all those French and Italian ones, even Fox Hill. What are some of the sort of key memories and favourite tracks for you there, mate? Obviously, some of them aren't around today or not raced on the world scene, so you must have been exposed to some pretty cool stuff and some pretty bizarre sort of setups back then, I'd imagine. Yeah, just, I mean, I didn't actually not enjoy a track, and I mean, I guess Lommel in the in the wet was probably the one that I didn't enjoy, but I don't think many people do. But um, yeah, Namur was you know Namur was special, such a special track. It was it was one of those tracks that was you know over three minutes long, you know three minutes long, and and you had to really know where the trees were. You had to really know where that rut ended up, and you had to know where you know where everyone else would, could possibly go because you just needed to have all the ins and outs of of the track. And I remember in '96, um, I went. I, I actually cycled down there, <clears throat> had the bike in the bushes and and walked the track, you know, like two or three times and then back down the next day, back down the next just just to really understand where the trees and and get a feeling for for where I was racing. But that was an amazing track and it's you know, it's a pity that's not on the schedule anymore and for a number of years, but it would because it would have been cool to have that as the Monaco of Motocross, you know. Um but yeah, I mean I love racing France. All the tracks in France are very cool, you know, play me on, even though it was rocky was an amazing track and um you know Bukir and you know Tom and a song you've got you know just so many cool tracks around the world you know Italy had some amazing tracks Germany you know I love racing in Germany just the cool tracks I guess it was like New Zealand soil um but yeah I, I you know I never didn't like a track and I guess you know every track I raced was just a challenge and I just tried to figure it out and and just enjoyed racing racing my dirt bike yeah, obviously, yeah, well said, mate. And you look at the France Motocross Nation team, obviously that track was, you know, pretty low traction in certain areas. You know, the bike's slipping around quite a lot at the rear. And obviously those guys are just conditioned for that sort of a surface, aren't they, mate? So pretty cool. Is that obviously a testament to that? They're just used to having that sort of lack of grip and, you know, having the throttle control to handle those really hard pack and sketchy conditions that one of the keys to success. And obviously you found that too, racing those tracks and you obviously adapt pretty quickly to whatever challenge is thrown at you. Yeah, I guess, uh, I mean, that, the track at, the nations this year and NA was was a challenge you know you could see that with the with a lot of riders you know that that haven't ridden that before and you know i got to stand there and watch every race and and you know particular you know watch particular riders that were that were they were getting challenged and you just got to look at jet you know the first motor really looked like he was sort of trying to figure himself out and then you know by the end of the day he was a master um but that was a brutal track you know you didn't really get to see a lot um of what it how it formed and how it how it you know how it was, how technical it was, and you had to really, I guess, be a be a bit of a unique racer there. You know, you couldn't just be the the guy that just you know sat there and twisted the throttle and changed the gears and 
um, did the thing. You had to really work and, and think about you know lines and, and the changing lines that happen in every moto. So because you've got different CC bikes, you've got different riders. Um, so the track just forms so much different to I guess what a Grand Prix would maybe form. But um, yeah, just I mean, race so many of those tracks in my life. It's it's easy to easy to 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 be the couch um, couch racer and say it was a piece of cake and I would have won there myself. It's ninety six. <laughs> but no, cool, cool to cool, cool to see, cool to see the, the talented riders out there that that love you know the challenge of motocross. Yeah, mate, absolutely different challenge and like that methodical sort of approach to navigate it. Like Jet was even mentioned, you know, just waited behind Kenny Roxon for a bit there and holding behind him, studying his lines and working out the sections where he might be able to make the difference. And yeah, he pulled the trigger on the pass when he felt comfortable about seven laps in or so, mate. So definitely it was a good test for all of them. But just to touch on Jet, how good is he, mate? I know you've seen him in person again, just must have been amazing. The balance, the stability, the head movement, the technique. All the little nuances he does, he does it so well, doesn't he, mate? So just, I guess, poetry in motion, watching him ride, and he's always a good example to show anyone. But obviously, it's harder to do because the fundamentals, the strength, everything has to be in place to ride like that. But yeah, just a great asset to the sport, isn't he, for Australia as well, and motocross around the world, and Alpine Stars, for that matter. Yeah, just a, I mean, a great talent. You know, there's there's been so many talents through the years um, of motocross, you know, from the very beginning of the first day back in the, the 60s or 50s, you know, so... You just got to look back, and you know you could probably pinpoint a lot of these, a lot of these guys. You know, you look at the Stephen Everts of of um, my era. Um, you know, now this is the Jet Lawrence um, in that same same thing in this era. But he's, you know, I really studied him a lot, and I really see he's an angle guy. You know, he really picks his picks his points and shoots shoots from those points, and great throttle control um, and great balance. And you know, he's he's just doing the work, and he's and he's he's motivated. He's young. He's enthusiastic. He wants to. He wants to be the best, and that all those things combined makes him what he is. And I, I you know, I truly believe he's he's a he's a he's a super talent that you know people should just stop and actually watch and, and understand what he's doing because there's so much to be learned from from Jet and you know also Hunter as well. You know, they're a, a break a great brother combo um, to be able to watch and learn from. But yeah, well, just just really cool to 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 see to see such a talented person figure it out and, and, you know, jump onto that 450 and be so dominant. And I, I, you know, I wouldn't say he's, he's the, um, the most fastest guy in the world, but he's definitely the most talented and, and he thinks about what he's doing and cool to have him on Alpine stars. He's a great kid, a great guy. And, you know, I mean, such an inspiration to the kids of, of, of today, you know, just, you know, everybody wants to, to, to meet him. Everybody wants to, to watch him. Everybody wants to be like him uh, well, a lot of people want to be like him, and that's cool. That's what our sport can bring, and it's really cool to be able to to see that from the outside. And you know, just uh, yeah, he's going to be a it's going to be an amazing season coming up, man. Supercross and motocross is going to be just incredible in America, and I'm so excited to 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 have the sport as my number one interest in the in the world. And it's just cool to to see such some 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 talent coming from a young kid from Australia that you know put so much into it as a family. So yeah, really exciting. Yeah, mate, absolutely an excellent ambassador for the sport. And, yeah, sort of bridging the gap between the outside sponsors and the industry sponsors, that's for sure, and elevating the product. And, yeah, like you said, having him like Fevera, Prado, Roxon, all racing each other with Nations. Bodes pretty well for Madeley Basin as well next year. And, obviously, A1's just going to be amazing. Seeing what he did outdoors going undefeated, it's just going to be incredible. And I also wanted to get your take on Prado, obviously one of the absolutely elite technicians and, and riders in the world. You Obviously, a select group of riders like yourself have won a world title and then, made the trip to America, mate. So 
What's your take on Prado doing Supercross? Do you think he'll do it? Have you heard any insights, Mace? It's an interesting story to follow, isn't it? Because he seems pretty keen and there's all those sort of rumours popping up that he might even do A1. So it's exciting times ahead to follow that one too, isn't it? Yeah, you know, I mean, he's he's such a talented guy. You know, I mean, if you follow, go back to, to day one when he was, um, you know, just on that Red Bull sort of rookies program, I guess. Um, and where he is today, it's incredible to see his progression. With Natchke as well. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, no, pretty cool to pretty cool to see and follow his his um his career and to see where he's at today and and to be able to watch him ride. You know, the nations. It was very cool to watch him. At, obviously, the last Grand Prix that I was at as well. Just you know, but there's so much talent out there, young talent that it's that's really cool for the for the sport of motocross and really cool to for people like myself that you, we can watch it and see and and see these people grow as young kids into you know into real men and and be at the top of their game. Um, yeah, a little bit of an insight here. So, yeah, he signed a full contract year with uh, with Gas Gas to race Supercross. So this is just debuted on. No, I'm joking, totally joking. Wouldn't have a clue. Wouldn't have a clue. Um, if he, you know, I mean, if he races the A1, I mean, that'd be cool for cool for the people in Europe. You know, just to just to to see him, you know, go and race that 450 class. And um, I don't know if if you remember, but back in the day, you know, Stefan Everts turned up to to Anaheim one and and was yeah, he was right there so yeah and it'd be cool to cool to see that happen be cool to see that happen and I'm pretty sure he's probably probably thinking that way it's just a matter of connecting all the dots I suppose and not so it doesn't interfere with his, his um European campaign yeah absolutely mate interesting development to follow for sure we've just clicked over the hour mate so I know you're a busy man but just a couple more before we let you go obviously looking forward to 2024 and a business and a, you know the kids racing perspective so just I guess you've sort of gone over a little bit just the plans and anything to look out for and where can we all follow your progress on MX Vice and all the people on Instagram and have you got some blogs in the works and all this kind of thing mate so just how excited are you as well for it should be a great year. Yeah, well, you know, uh, business is, is is fun. I love what I do. Work with great brands, like I said, and um, you know, I mean, just, just every one of them just keeps growing, and we we love riding dirt bikes and and being a part of the motorcycle industry here. So you know, for our business here in New Zealand, we're we've got a lot lot going on for twenty four, and um, super exciting. For the boys, you know, that we've got a program, you know, New Zealand and Australia, so full time in Australia, and then Ryan. Uh, has has an opportunity next year to go and do three EMX races. Um, with a Swedish with a Swedish Honda team, so we're just got to put that together and, and lock that down with Patrick and the crew. So hopefully we can make that um, stick in between races. And uh, yeah, you know the boys are both on Instagram, um, and uh, obviously myself. I try to track as much as I can with the boys, and you know live my life through them now rather than them living it through me. <laughs> uh, just uh, yeah, follow us on Instagram and you know see the life of the kings in, in New Zealand and. You know, I mean, I, like I said many times, I love what I do. The industry is amazing. Got great people, and um, I enjoy enjoy going to the race and you know being on the other side of the fence. You know, water blasting bikes and cleaning air filters is just my dream. You know, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, no, you know, I've always put 100% effort into to what I do and 100% effort into my children and and family. So you know, I mean, it's a super important part of part of my life and it's given me so much. So to be able to now, you know, sort of turn that around and give that to, back to the boys um, if we, as we have been doing is, uh, is, is super cool. So I just, you know, just, yeah, thank everybody out there inside the industry that, 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 that enjoys, enjoys it as much as I do and, and uh, yeah, having a lot of fun. 
Yeah, absolutely. I was going to quickly ask, do the lads feel any pressure and sort of weight of expectation having you as a father? And do you have any, I guess, advice for young kids wanting to get into the sport? Obviously, dads as well, with young riders that are sort of trying to, you know, do everything in their power to sort of get them to where they want to be, mate. So any just a couple of quick bits there? Yeah, I guess they do. You know, I mean, that's not something they really talk about, but, um, you know, they've got some pretty big boots to fill to to get as many, many trophies as me and, and a, you know, a world championship. So, um, you know, I love rubbing that one into them. Like, hey, yeah. boys, will you get a world championship? You know, better listen to dad. Um, no, just, you know, end of the day, it's about having fun. You know, fun first. Um, put it in the work. You know, do do what you think you need to do and times it by two because, you know, sometimes what you think you need to do is not enough. Um, you know, young kids these days just think that riding the bike is the most important thing, but, man, it, it is not. You know, you've got to work on that mental aspect of, of your career. You've got to work on good people around you. You've got to understand a motorcycle and how it works. Uh, you've got to put the effort in training um, and nutrition. And, man, so many people out there, families I see, that just don't have fun. You know, they they challenge their, their kids too much and try to live their life through their through their through their kids and just let them go and have fun until they get to an age where they understand what they need to do. And that's usually sort of 14, 15, 16 and um, set them free, set them free and, and go and uh, enjoy standing on the sidelines. Like I did at Madeley Basin. So um, she watch your children, you know, enjoy themselves and, and be successful. Yeah. Achieving their goals, mate, must be pretty cool. And yeah, last one, anyone you'd like to shout out to say thanks. And I guess just touch on the importance of building relationships in the industry, mate, because with your business and the kids racing, they're so important. Aren't they to be honest, genuine, humble person, isn't it? Yeah, I guess. I mean, KDM had just been so good to to me, um, you know, my whole career of racing and then afterwards as well. And, you know, the the kids have been on KDM from the very, very beginning. And, um, you know, we've, we've obviously changed to another brand in Honda this year. And, you know, KDM, I just want to say thanks to them. They've just been so good to us. And I love them. They're, they're a great part of my family. You know, I'm in their history books with the, in the motor hall with my bike in there. And, you know, Mr. Piero, that was his first ever world, world motocross champion and when he bought the company. And, uh, you know, it, it's just cool, you know, from Sal Nariana in, in America to Jeff Leask in Australia and the crew over there now. Um, now that Jeff's not there. But, yeah, just, you know, it's been awesome. been awesome to race with with – a lot of people um, that are now inside this industry in a different different side, you know, Pit Byra, um, you know, there's just so many cool people out there. But just thanks to the industry. The industry is very cool. It's a great fun industry to be in. Um, you know, it's something we all love and get passionate about. And, um, man, I'm just looking forward to the Supercross. I can't wait. I'm excited. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, good luck to, to all the riders. Enjoy, enjoy the sport for what it is and um, love what you do and, and um, challenge yourself every day. Yeah, mate, well said. Absolutely look forward to covering it. And it's been a great chat, this one. Really appreciate you taking the time to join us, mate, out of your busy schedule. So cheers for that. Before we let you go, I'll just thank AS3 Performance Parts, the home of aftermarket motocross and endurance parts, from hardware and protection parts, including skid paints and radiator braces to performance cooling parts, such as silicon radiator hoses and oversized impeller kits. AS3 also have a huge range of brake, clutch and gear levers, all with different features and adjustability. Check them out online at asuperformance.co.uk. All right, thanks again, Shane. Been an absolute ripper chat. Look forward to chatting again one day as well, mate, and all the best with everything for you and the family, and we'll touch base again soon. Awesome. Thanks, man. You have a good uh, rest of the day. No worries, mate. Will do.